calls for a purpose-built quarantine centre that is located miles away from our cities and our biggest population masses are growing. All the big names in immunology, and you'll have recalled some of the interviews last week, Nick Wilson, Des Gorman, Michael Baker, they've all said it is absolute madness to house returnees carrying different COVID strains into hotels in our biggest cities. We have 18 hotels in Auckland, three in Hamilton, two in Wellington, six in Christchurch, a couple in Rotorua as well, our most populous cities, and we bang quarantine facilities smack bang in the middle of them. People are people, and despite the very best of intentions, accidents do happen, lapses occur, and people on occasion will behave badly. Well, I'd have to say since the army have taken over the running of the hotels, there haven't been quite as many returnees going walkabout and popping into their local countdown for supplies. But nonetheless, the possibility is always there. And once the COVID cooties are out and about, the ramifications of COVID in the community, our response to COVID being in the community, is devastating. Des Gorman didn't mince his words last week. Why are we still isolating high-risk returnees in the middle of our largest city? This is simply nuts. We are really putting our livelihoods and our well-beings at risk because we're simply not managing the level of risk that we currently have appropriately. And that's what I meant by we actually haven't thought through what risk we're prepared to live with. If level three is the right response, then they shouldn't be being quarantined in Auckland. He's not wrong, is he? Uh, Nationals COVID spokesman Chris Bishop has jumped on the bandwagon and is calling for a purpose-built facility on the outskirts of Auckland. He says, and he's quite right, and nobody would disagree, that New Zealand cannot afford to keep yo-yoing in and out of lockdown. And poor old Auckland is bearing the brunt of these lockdowns. Uh, The Auckland economy can't afford to keep bleeding $30 million a day every time we go into lockdown. While employees probably enjoyed their three days off this week in Auckland, the kids probably enjoyed time out of school. It has caused major disruption in the city and that flow-on effect has gone throughout the rest of the country with you know, the festivals and the you know, events that have had to be cancelled or postponed or had people tearing their hair out. We are going to have to learn to live with COVID, vaccinations or no vaccinations. And it was quite extraordinary. I don't know if you were watching the tennis last night, but that annoying woman who was the head of Australian tennis... I mean, I was ready to boo her before the vaccination chat. But when she started talking about vaccinations, it was quite extraordinary. The crowd all started booing her immediately. She got quite the fright, I think. But I switched off then and went to bed. I couldn't be bothered listening to her anymore. But vaccinations or no vaccinations, we are going to have to learn to live with COVID because of the response to it from around the world. And if that means forking out for a purpose-built quarantine facility, then surely, given the money we have hemorrhaged in response to this virus, that is a small price to pay for continuing to live with COVID-19. The National Party wants managed isolation moved out of downtown Auckland to try to prevent future lockdowns. Chris Bishop, the National Party's COVID-19 spokesperson, says the government needs to start looking at a purpose-built facility on the outskirts of Auckland, which is something that the professors of immunology have been advocating for some time. They have called for the closure of our MIQ facilities in favour of something purpose-built. Chris Bishop joins me now. Good morning to you. Kerry? So, a bit late really, isn't it? 
to start talking about purpose-built facilities given that most New Zealanders have returned? Well, look, I think uh, there's a couple of points there. The first is that this uh, situation is going to be with us for quite some time. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're going to um, not need hotels in the next two to three years. We're going to need a purpose-built facility. We are going to need MIQ facilities of some uh, shape or form. Uh, and that's what the experts are saying is that we're not just going to do it. You know, it's not just going to go away uh, tomorrow. Look, I think hotels were a pretty good short-term fix, you know, yep. to be fair to the government. And when people started coming home and, and returning, uh, you know, COVID, we had to move really quickly. And, you know, hotels were, were not a bad short-term option. But if you talk to the experts, they'll say that, you know, they're basically inherently flawed. And, you know, the fact that we're now having to basically retrofit the Pullman to turn it into a purpose-built facility, you know, we're, we're changing the ventilation, we're changing the filtration systems, we're doing things uh, to the lift. Uh, you know, that I think indicates that uh, they're just inherently un- unfit and we do need a purpose-built facility. Like, like they're doing in Victoria, they've come to exactly the same conclusion. Yeah, and we simply cannot afford to keep going into lockdowns. I, I quite agree with that. The cost well, of that... that that's would... right. We've got to, to minimise the risk of going into lockdown, you know, and the, the problem with MIQ is that we've had 10 incidences, uh, you know, since we've had them, uh, and every time uh, there's been a case that, that's gone, you know, into the community. And, uh, you know, this most recent one, uh, obviously was the more transmissible uh, UK strain, which, uh, you know, worried a lot of people. We still actually don't really know the source of, of where that came from. So it is concerning, and a purpose-built facility, we think, makes a lot of sense. Where would you put it? Well, look, uh, I think that the starting point should be somewhere near Auckland Airport, uh, and the reason for that is that, number one, you've got a lot of land out there. Number two, uh, it's obviously near the, the flights that where the majority of people, uh, you know, fly in from, uh, from you know, into, into New Zealand. Uh, and so you can put them on a bus and, you know, take them to those facilities. And what's done up in um, our in Australia is they've, you know, they, they've been lucky in the sense they've been able to repurpose a, uh, a facility that was built for, for fly-in, fly-out workers back yeah. in the early 2010s. And they're single-level, uh, they're prefabricated houses. There's a whole community up there, but uh, the key point is you've got people living in, in rooms, basically in, in, you know, small, small little um, prefabs um, by themselves, Lots of fresh air. Uh, there's no mixing and mingling, which, of course, you get in the hotels. That's the other inherent mm-hmm. problem with them is just by definition you've got shared spaces. So all of that stuff is minimised. So that, that's sort of what we're talking about for uh, near Auckland Airport. But you're talking about something that would house 6,000 people. That's huge. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things there. So so firstly, we, you wouldn't build one for 6,000 people. You'd build one for the hundreds, you know, possibly the early thousands. And it's not to say that we won't still use hotels. What you do for the, the purpose-built facility, facilities, you put your, your high-risk passengers there. So if you're coming back from South America, from the United Kingdom, uh, from uh, the United States, for example, you would go into that purpose-built facility because you're, by definition, you're higher risk. You might have that UK strain, uh, but COVID is quite rampant in those countries. For, place, for people coming in from Australia, for example, you may uh, look to look to and other lower-risk destinations. You may look to have people uh, still in the hotels for, say, uh, three to seven days, uh, for example. Uh, and so, you know, hotels could still be used, but for purpose-built facilities for the high-risk passengers. How long would it take to build? I mean, we, this government doesn't really have a great record, track record, when it comes to building structures quickly. Oh, I mean, that, that's a really good point. You know, Kiwi Build was a disaster. But what I'd like to say is that, you know, when government wants to move really quickly, it can. So, you know, mm. you can do us under the Resource Management Act, you can use the Public Works Act for things. You could, uh, if necessary, use emergency uh, legislation. The uh, the camp I talked about in Howard Springs in Australia, they built 
uh, 3,500 people. That took 18 months to build. It was built by a Japanese company. Uh, so there is the possibility of getting in some international expertise to you know, really quickly lay something out. So I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, you know, it would take you know, probably a year, maybe a little bit longer. But the point that the epidemiologists are making to us is that there's going to be future pandemics. Mm. You know, once we've got rid of coronavirus, or, or God willing, you know, hopefully eliminated it from New Zealand forever, uh, there will be future pandemics. We've already had three uh, this century yeah. alone. So you know, that could become a real facility in the national interest for the future. Uh, a texter makes the point, though, too, where would the staff live if they're living in Auckland and looking after the quarantine camps? You've solved nothing because that's where the leaks come from. Yeah, so uh, so a couple of points there. The first is that you would probably have some dedicated staff on site. That's what they do at Howard Springs. So people, um, staff sort of fly in and fly out. Uh, they do, you know, uh, two to three month shifts up there, uh, living uh, obviously separately from the passengers who've returned. So uh, you could have people living on site, nurses and uh, and doctors uh, and security, obviously. Uh, and then potentially you'd, you'd rotate people in. And then potentially you would have also people coming and going a little bit from, from their houses, uh, you know, where they live. Uh, in Auckland. Uh, I don't think that's a massive issue. Major problems we've seen in MIQ, not so much been uh, amongst the staff. They've been outstanding, particularly with the new N95 masks that they're wearing. Mm. Staff have done a fantastic job. The problem is just the inherent problems of the hotels, right? You've got lifts, you've got shared surfaces. You know, we've had uh, potentially transmission on on rubbish bin lids. Mm. You've got mixing and mingling. You've got people exercising together. You've got people coming from the UK mixing with people from Australia in the shared areas. Uh, you know, and, and they're multi-storey, and they're right in the middle of the Auckland CBD. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when there is a potential outbreak, it's right in the middle of Auckland. Uh, so, you know, we think this this uh, purpose-built facility solves a lot of problems. Not Ohakia? Look, my understanding from talking to people who are familiar with Ohakia is, 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 is that it is not appropriate. It doesn't have the facilities like we're talking about. Um, you know, it's worth looking at, no doubt about it, but... Um, think you know the starting point should probably be a, a you know a brand new purpose-built facility. As COVID spokesman, is locking down Auckland the correct response when you get three cases of COVID nineteen in the community? Look, I think the government. I haven't been critical of the government for the case we had you know a week or so ago. You know we didn't know the source of it. It was the uh, more transmissible uh, variant, and you know obviously the, the people involved had done a lot of travelling and did involve. Uh, students at a you know a very large high school, so I'm not I'm not critical of that decision. I think yeah. it was uh, a cautious uh, decision um, and and the right thing to do. But I suppose the overall point is that we've got to avoid lockdowns as much as possible, and to do that, it means minimising the risk at MIQ because that's the only way COVID's going to come through the border these days is, is through MIQ and through those uh, returning passengers. So you know that means we've got to make precaution possible in the facilities and to be fair to the government they have they have done some of the things that we suggested day zero and day one testing pre-departure testing for example they've now really cracked down on uh, some of the things going on in the facilities um I'd like to go that next step further with that purpose-built facility and how much would it cost and how long would it take to build based on your so the, numbers so the facility in, in howard springs in australia and a half thousand people took 18 months. That was $400 million. Now we're talking about, and that was a few years ago to be fair, now we're talking about a smaller facility. So look, I would I would expect it would be in the you know, $100 million plus sort of range. Uh, but you know, you've got to compare that to the cost of a lockdown in Auckland. So you know, every day that Auckland's in level three, it's 40 to $100 million per day mm. of the economy. So 
you know, yep, it will be expensive, but, you know, COVID's been expensive for the whole economy, obviously. And, of course, we think it does make economic sense because it will minimise that risk of having to go into lockdown. I thank you for your time. Chris Bishop, National Party COVID spokesperson.